Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. I'm preaching on the, the great ends of the church, and this morning it's worship. And that's like trying to preach on food or breathing. And uh, it's so large, I've had a difficult time just narrowing it down. In fact, this is, we got a chorus going on out here. <laughs> it, um, it's one of, those, one of those topics that I almost, I can go an hour going verse by verse through the passage, and I, I won't do that, but uh, I did want to call uh, attention to just a few items that are contained in this text. First off, this is the 95th Psalm, and it's believed to be a psalm that was used at the Feast of Tabernacles, which is a feast in which they would replicate what happened out in the wilderness wandering, which means all these families came and set up, set up tents. It was like church camp. And it was a vast uh, array of different people and all of these tents and families and kids running around. And it was a great fun festival. And um, so the, the psalmist writes, come let us worship. Worship is a community action. Let us sing and, 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 and show joy and it includes emotion. Worship is collective, it's emotional, it's intellectual, it is volitional. It's all of those things. It's, it takes all of who we are, it brings us together, and it demands from us a, an adherence such that we might respond, that we might be impacted, that we attend to worship in such a way that we might actually be changed by what God is saying through the, this whole process. And so we are to be engaged and involved. So this text, the 95th Psalm, is one that harkens back to the wilderness wandering in which the people were not engaged. They were disengaged and they became negative and grouchy and were complaining and griping. In fact, what happened was that they were out in the wilderness and the food was bad, just quail and manna. It's fine the first time, but every single night, quail, manna, no matter how well they would prepare it, it's still the same thing. And then water from a rock, they were hungry for other foods, they were thirsty for more water, and they started complaining, and of course, what did they want to do? They wanted to go back, want to go back to Egypt. And the challenge that Moses presented them with, what would you rather have, freedom or food? And they're saying, food. Moses is saying, you grasp freedom and you'll have all the food you could ever eat plenty even to share. Hear the word of God as it comes to us 
from Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let's make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving and let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God. He's a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. For his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God. We are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. Oh, that today you would hearken to his voice. Hearken not your hearts as at Meribah on the day that at, at Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said they are a people who err in heart and they do not regard my ways. Therefore, I swore my anger that they should not enter my rest. God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. I'll sing. Yeah. I'll, not, as, not as well as Don, but. <laughs> so my, among my earliest memories in life, some of the most prominent, prominent had to do with going to church. I remember the the clip-on tie. I only had one. My mom, mom took me down to Woolworth to pick it out. I just picked out a little black tie. Clip-on tie and um, putting a dime in an envelope, going down to church. And, and on the way, there was not a large African-American community in Spokane, Washington, but Dad stopped off on the way and picked up an African-American kid, and I remember sitting in the back seat with him. Took him to church several times. And also remember the story about Grandpa coming. Grandpa would also drive some of us to church. And I remember Grandpa drove uh, my younger sister to church one Sunday morning, and something happened. Somehow she tumbled out of the car. <laughs> Mom was mad. <laughs> she was fine, but I remember her coat being all scuffed up. And then sitting in that large gathering room that, that was a worship time before we broke out into Sunday school, full of kids singing. Worship. So fundamental, it's so basic. And, and the reality is that it is to be all-encompassing of our lives. It is to engage our emotions. We're to sing and make joyful noises. Some of our fellow congregations, some of the people are, will, will lay down on the floor and raise hands and, and celebrate and dance. And, and that's all part of it. We are to be engaged emotionally. And it's to engage our intellect. Because we live in this world, we have uh, a whole world of input and and I believe that science is the faith's best friend, not its enemy. And that we are to take everything that we understand and, and, 
and try to weave that into our understanding of faith and how it works and how the two interface with one another. So Moses does this. He says, remember, God is the one who is in whose hands are the very depths of the world, the deepest oceans and the valleys, and in his hand are the mountains. He's the great God. So he alone is God. He is God above all gods. It's to engage our intellect as well as our emotions, as well as our, our actions. We are to allow ourselves to be changed. We're to allow ourselves to be impacted such that something changes within us. I say this, and the reality is participation in worship is declining. If you look at the Pew Research or Gallup Research, they'll say something like 40% go to church. And the reality is, in 2005, a survey of actual attendance figures demonstrated that it was, at that time, 17%. The reality today certainly is under 15%, maybe less than that. When you actually count the number of bottoms in the pews, on a weekly basis, 40% would be Easter every single week. Every single week. I was ordained in the Presbyterian Church, and at that time there were four and a half million Presbyterians. Today, they're probably, in reality, taking, taking a pastoral estimates away from it, they always estimate large and higher than <laughs> what they actually are. My guess is the Presbyterian Church is down to under a million people. And so, <clears throat> and so this is the reality of our time. And the question is, then what are these people worshiping? What is their God? What is their matter of ultimate concern? Let's face it, that which controls us is our God. That which constitutes our ultimate concern is our God. Those people in the desert, their ultimate concern was their bellies, and that was their God. And Moses said, uh-uh, we're going on to this promised land. We're going on. But they continued to rebel because they, they couldn't grasp, even though Moses had given them a clear vision of what that was to be about, a land flowing with milk and honey. Even the kids could report, repeat that. But they rebelled. They would rather have themselves served than serving God. They would rather have it their way. And so the phrase, well, I'm spiritual but not religious, well, that's all fine and good. What happens when, when you really need someone, when you need a community around you? What happens when you're caught in a, in a situation that you cannot extricate yourself from on your own or your own strength? Young people, of course, live life without many hardships or difficulties, certainly of, of health but they still have broken relationships that tear their hearts apart. Who do they talk to? Do they go to the bar? 
I mean, where, where is there a place for real healing to take place? You know, as a, as a kid, I, you know, I, like everyone else, I got to be 13, 14 year olds. I hated church. <laughs> it was boring. And um, I went, but I went with cut off jeans and cut off sweatshirt and that's what I was going to make a statement, you know. And, but I went. And then when I was in college, the last thing I ever wanted to do was go into the ministry. Last thing. Who wants to be a pastor? Everyone I knew who was a minister, I thought was a nerd. And I asked dad what I should do. He was an engineer. I said, should I go into engineering? He said, no, they're all nerds. So what do I do? <laughs> Nevertheless, I was in a Bible study, personal Bible study with a dear friend. And I remember him sharing with me at a time when I was recruited to play on the volleyball team at UC Santa Barbara. And I told him I was going to do it. After basketball was out, I was going to go out on the volleyball floor. And he made this very profound statement for a kid. He said, Kurt, that's just another prop. And he was right. I thought the only reason people liked me was because I was an athlete. And my basketball career was going like this, and do I, do I try to become a volleyball player now? He was right. What was propping me up was my athletics. It was holding me up. It was that which was my, my God, small g. And that God was failing me. And it wasn't, of course, until later that I came to a point where I acknowledged that, realized that, and then subjected myself deeply to a life of worship, a life of participation in the body of Christ. And in doing so, I went to a church in Santa Barbara. It was boring. But there were real people there, people who cared, people who smiled, people who loved. And it alerted me, awakened me. And then toward the end of my senior year, I was heading off to Princeton Theological Seminary and I went to the Santa Barbara Mission. Standing out on the mission steps, I was enjoying the evening glorious sunset. And out on the steps of the mission, I watched as an old beat-up Chevy pulled up at the bottom of the steps and the, the passenger door opened with a big loud crack. And out came a man who was obviously blind. And he had a hard time walking and he, his white cane was also supporting his, his legs as he made his way up the steps. And I watched him as he came right toward me. Somehow he sensed my presence there and he reached out and, and took my arm. And he said, won't you come in and worship with me? And I said, no. No. 
rude awakening. A rude awakening because I was worshiping all kinds of false gods. It was about success, it was about prominence, it was about prestige, it was about grades, it was about the school I was going to, all the wrong stuff, none of which sustain. And I went down, drove around Santa Barbara and just thought about what a fool I was. How dumb. And so when we choose to worship the false gods, the problem is that those gods do take lordship of our lives. They take on full control. When we replace the one true God with whatever prop that we might have available to us, and God says, as he said about those people in the desert, I'm not happy with you all. Not happy at all. And you will not enter the land. You will not know the rest of persevering in faithfulness, in engaging with one another, and being together as a people of God under the love of our Lord. You won't know the rest that comes when you simply are a faithful people. I don't know about you, but I find when I'm going through a tough time, when it's difficult, I become a really lousy prayer. I find it really difficult to pray much under those circumstances. Then I come here and I'm embraced. I see people that I love, who love me. And, and being in worship to me is more restorative than my personal times of prayer. It does provide the sustenance. It, provides the, the food that I need under those hard and difficult times, in the midst of those difficult passages of life. Worship. That we would be together through it all. And then anticipate what it means to really rest in the Lord, to belong to Him, to lose all pretense, to have all of our props knocked away, if not throw them away, recognizing them for what they are. And just saying, oh Lord, thank you that I'm, I'm just part of the family. Thank you that I'm gathered around this, this fellowship, this family. Thank you, oh Lord, that I'm just amongst brothers and sisters. Thank you. Something prompted me this week to look up my grandmother, Erica Palm Anderson. Grandma passed when I was two years old. No memory of her. And I, I googled her name. But Erica Palm Anderson, Spokane. 
And what came up was a picture of the stone over her grave, that little monument. And Grandpa's there too. And I saw that. It's got a little cross right in the middle of it. And this woman, whom I never knew, I was so grateful. I was so grateful for her, as well as for my grandfather. These two people who so loved one another. These two people who raised six kids and fed them in the midst of the Depression. While Grandpa was selling life insurance in the Depression. Their faithfulness. Because what I did remember was Grandpa driving us to church. What I did remember is being included in worship. And what I do remember is never being alone, but always being a part of the, the body of faith. And I was so grateful, so thankful. And so it is that our Lord calls us to worship that we might be changed. That we might be transformed into the image and likeness of his son. An image and likeness that is evidenced by humility, humor, joy, gladness, thoughts of others, awareness of the needs of others, generosity and yet being cheap at the same time. All the stuff of what it means to follow Christ. And therein do we find what it is to rest in our Lord. You join me in prayer. Oh, Father, if we haven't thrown them away, knock out the props. Our Father, may we be engaged with you, with one another in this mysterious, marvelous experience where we come together to glorify your name, to lift you up, and to be made new. Grant us, O Lord, that our hearts might be attuned to yours. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.